Welcome everybody to this week's episode of the Money Mentors podcast. My name is Nathan Lear and I'm with my co-host of the podcast, Glenn Fairburn. Uh, Glenn and myself are both uh, advisors and directors of Hewison Private Wealth. Today we discuss uh, interest rates. Um, we're you know, quite topical in the Australian context at the moment, but also globally. So we have a good chat about you know, interest rates, what's driving them and perhaps what's in store. So we hope you enjoy. Welcome everybody to this week's episode of the podcast. So in this episode, Glenn and I want to have a a chat about interest rates. So look, interest rates, it is quite topical at the moment what's going on um, and I suppose some changes in recently um, with probably the rhetoric around what interest rates might do moving forward. So I suppose just to set the scene, um, interest rates in Australia at the moment, um, the official cash rate as set by the Reserve Bank of Australia is currently 1.5%. Um, up until about, I don't know, a year or so ago, maybe even less, the, the, the overwhelming view was that rates would be moving up. But um, I guess recently with perhaps a, a bit of a potentially a weaker economy or perceptions that it's a weaker economy, um, the, the view now is that the, the, the interest rates might be heading down and, and two, two cuts are priced in to that view. So we want to delve on this a little bit deeper, into this a little bit deeper. And, and maybe, Glenn, maybe just to set the scene a bit further, we'll, we'll just talk about the economy because obviously the relationship between... Um, the performance of an economy and, and interest rates are strongly interlinked. So I might just spend a couple of minutes now um, talking about the state of the economy. So um, I'll, I'll just start with, um, we can go anywhere, but I'm just going to start with unemployment. So um, unemployment is at record lows at the moment. So you know, it's four, I think it's 4.9 is the, the official figure that was not that long ago spoken about or released. But one thing we've spoken about a bit um, is that that rate is somewhat distorted or that you know, 4.9, say, percentage rate is somewhat distorted because um, the statistics look at people that have a lot of short-term em- or, or part-time employment. Um, I always say that the person driving, it, um, being an Uber driver, a couple of hours a week, you know, they're employed, but are they, are they really fully employed? So would you say that's a... Uh, place to start yeah, the discussion? I, mean, I, think, I think that's probably pretty common in, in a lot of the more developed economies isn't it in, like if you look in the US unemployment is very very low um, but that, that that sort of statistic gets um, sort of spoken about quite a bit as, as to people who aren't looking for work um, but also the fact that there hasn't been a lot of wage growth so although there's low unemployment incomes that people are receiving probably haven't grown at the rate they have in the past. Well, they're, they're the low, I read a thing today, they're the, they're the lowest levels since World War II. Yeah, yeah. So on, um, on the face no, of it, No wage growth. <laughs> that, yeah, that's right. So on the yeah. face of it, you look at low unemployment, you think, oh, that's great for the economy. But if people aren't getting paid good good incomes or, is, or, or are there more uh, part-time positions, casual positions, how then is that really a true reflection of how the economy is performing? Um, which, which arguably is a better... 
it's a better um, prediction or a better indicator, sorry, of how the uh, economy is performing. Yeah, gen- absolutely. Low wage growth opposed to the, the actual headline number of unemployment. That's right. And, and I think it was, it was just this week that the IMF came out um, with regards to their forecast for GDP growth in Australia. And, and they're forecasting that it'll, it'll sort of reduce from 2.8% last year to 2.1% this year. I feel like it's just continually being downgraded, you know, the, yeah. all the forecasts globally. And not to say that they get it right very often because there mm. has been a lot of times where they've got it wrong. Um, and, but that, that was, you know, 0.7% lower than what they forecast in October last year. So a lot of the signs are pointing towards... I suppose a slowdown in, in the Australian economy, if that's what we're focusing on right now. Um, and I suppose what adds fuel to the fire is perhaps any impact on the property market. Because when people look, I mean, a, main, a major driver of the economy is obviously consumer expenditure. Yeah. Um, and, and it's just a matter of fact that as people's household wealth is eroded or reduces, their capacity or propensity to want to spend reduces doesn't it so yeah. if people see their houses falling by 10 percent they're probably unlikely to go out and buy the new car we've already seen you know new car sales fall considerably in recent months um so they're, they're, i mean they're probably the key things to be looking at aren't they in future yeah. it's unemployment um how the property market's going and, and that may then um, well, yeah, wage growth wage growth all those sorts of things, inflation. Yeah, look, so obviously wage growth and inflation, you know, somewhat, I guess, the same thing in a yeah, way. Yeah. But yeah, inflation is basically non- non-existent, very, very low um, in Australia, which I guess supports what we we're speaking about with, with um, no wage growth. And yeah, completely agree. I was going to mention also, Glenn, that the falling house prices is, is a big thing as well because the, you know, consumption, confidence, I mean, it definitely lowers people's confidence and willingness to go out and, and spend, which yeah. a, a thriving economy needs that. So, um, and probably the other thing I was going to mention, Glenn, which I think arguably doesn't get a lot of um, doesn't get a lot of attention, is um, I mean productivity growth is another measure that's looked at closely. Yeah. Um, which is really the key to a thri- once again a thriving economy. You need things to be you need to be productive, um, and and you know, there's various ways that that can be measured, but um, you know from from all reports that. That, that really needs to um, improve in Australia. And, um, you know, there's only so long we can keep relying on commodity prices to, you know, keep us going because, you know, they have yeah. been pulling the slack for us. In particular, the last couple of years, I mean, I think iron ores, which is a, obviously a big export for some of our big miners, the price of that's increased significantly because of supply issues coming out of Brazil. So that's that's been a massive injection of, of revenue and we've seen the federal budget where it's you know forecast to be in surplus on the back of a lot of those things um so maybe is, is that reflective of a bit of a false economy because our, our economy is fairly disjointed isn't it, it mm. it's it's sort of focused still pretty heavily on the on the resource sector so yeah i mean it, it will be interesting to see how it, how it all plays out and, and how the economy does perform and that's why i suppose we're we're talking about this because the topic we, we want to have a discussion about is interest rates and and the direction of interest rate really does um, be directed or is directed by the performance of the economy, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So look, just yeah, just to kind of summarise that first part of the discussion, just a quick chat about the economy. And look, I think it's fair to say there probably is, you know, there's probably risks on the downside more than the upside. Um, you know, just just my maybe my personal feel. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so we'll, we'll we'll move to interest rates now. So as I mentioned in in the intro. Um, you know, rates are, you know, historically speaking, at a very low level, 1.5%. Uh, 
Um, and as I mentioned, there was a view that they might move up about a year or so ago, um, you know, kind of following the global cycle where the US had been had been starting to increase rates. But, you know, the, the kind of narrative has, has changed now. And um, just just over the last couple of days, Glenn, um, both the CBA and Westpac, it's only little, but they've announced a, a small cut to some of their fixed loan rates by yep. 0.2%. So... Um, and they're not doing that as a favour, are they? I mean, they're, 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 the reason why banks do that is because they're, if it's fixed rates, they're obviously looking at what future interest rates might look like, aren't they? That's generally why they do that. Yeah. It's not yep. to, you know, do mm. people a favour with their mortgages. But interesting, interestingly, the, um, I mean, the RBA, Reserve Bank of Australia, has, has you know, will come out and, and, and say they put their views forward. But um, just not long ago, they, they come out and said that, you know, if, if growth looks okay over the next few few months, there's there's no reason that they're going to cut rates. Mm. But I, I think, yeah, whether that's true or not, and, and that's where there can be, and, and I'm sure we'll have a chat about the US situation, which isn't too dissimilar. Um, but that's where sometimes there can be a disconnect between what the market is thinking and viewing may happen in future, compared to where the federal um, or, or the Reserve Bank, or in the case of the US, the the Federal Reserve, where they're looking at where interest rates are. And there, there has been, obviously in the US, rates have, have been increased eight times by the Fed. They've since put um, that, that on hold so that they haven't, risen interest, they haven't increased interest rates recently. Um, but quite often, something to look at as market observers is the bond market. So looking at what is the market pricing in as far as rate increases or reductions um, and and just looking at what bond prices were, were doing and, and what the um, what the yield curve was looking like, it, w- it was basically saying, or the bond market was essentially saying that the Federal Reserve in the US had probably moved a bit too quickly, um, and and now it's looking like the market's pricing in rate cuts in Australia and in the US. Um, is that sort of your take on it as well? Did you want to have a bit of a discussion about how that's looking and how the bond market can be a bit of a forward? indicator with regards to interest rates yeah well i mean i'm not sure if you want to if you if you want to lead into the discussion about this the the, the yield curve inversion yield curve inversion which has um definitely got a lot of media um when it happened in, in in the u.s when it's happened in australia as well but i think it was let's say three or so weeks ago i'm not sure exactly yeah. when it was but um where and basically what what that means is shorter dated interest rates um go higher or become higher than, than longer dated interest rates. And, and the measure there is, yeah, the three-month rate goes higher than the 10-year yeah. rate. So, um, you know, that's... And just to kind of explain why that is a significant thing... So, um, when, when, when the short-term rates are higher yep. than long-term, that, that's indicating that the market's forecasting a rate cut, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, that's right. It, it, it's spot on. So... Um, well, I think it's not always potentially. I mean, it's potentially, always, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what, yeah. That's what the market's sort of predicting may happen. So, um, and, and just the reason, yeah, this has been so significant. Um, basically, I think since 1960, I saw um, every time this yield curve yield curve inversion has happened, um, I think nine out of ten times a recession has followed. Yeah. So it, it hasn't. Not hasn't been like that in Australia, but in terms of the US, in the US, yeah. Um, well, they do say that you know, as far as forecasting where the economy is going, that the bond markets 
where the smart money is as far as you know that th- they generally get it right it's mm. just been it's been interesting in recent times where bond prices and equity markets have been going up that that's not usually sort of a a common trend so th- there's been a lot of discussion around okay which 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 market's going to get it right because the mm. the equity market's been going up which i suppose in some ways you'd you'd lead that to, to say that the economy is doing well earnings is going to be great but then you've also got bond prices going up which the reason why bond prices would go up is because people are attracted to bonds because they think interest rates may fall in future which the only time that would happen is if there's a slowdown in the economy and and, mm. and you know interest rates will be cut so it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out but as you were saying in historically it's been the bond market that has got that right hasn't it and just going back to the yield, the inversion, um, the, the reason it's an issue generally is because shorter term borrowing is more expensive than longer term borrowing. So, you know, think of businesses, the lifeblood of the economy that, that will often take on debt. Mm. It's more expensive for them to fund um, debt now than in the future. So, yeah. they might be more inclined to, to, d- defer, to defer expenditure yeah, yeah. so it can it can basically slow down your economy and cause yeah, a recession. Sure. Yeah. And, and that's why it's been been so prevalent, in particular in the US. And, and, and generally, it takes about um, 1 to 12, 24 months to see the economy fall into a recession. So you can have, I think, from the, the inversion point, which you say recently in the US, it can still take a year or two years to see the actual economy yeah, have yeah. The, the two quarters of negative growth, which is the recession the technical measure. Recession, yeah. um, and it can... It can um, move out of the inversion um, before the recession begins. So it can, yeah, yeah, it can all, cross over to the inversion and then fix itself up and then two years later there can be a recession. recession. Yeah. So um, yeah, it's just it's an interesting thing. And I mean, obviously this has happened in the US. It's it's actually also happened in Australia. But And one thing I was interested to, to look up is what's been the impact in Australia because I actually didn't, I didn't know this. And um, so what I read um, on five... Um, prior occasions before today um, the inversion of the Australian curve did not coincide with the recession uh, and so I'm just reading off an article here but indeed rather than a warning about a recession the inversion of the Australian yield curve curve has actually been a far better indicator for when the RBA is about to cut interest rates so I found that interesting so when the inversion happens quite often the RBA will cut interest rates um, which so, th- so they'll get ahead of the curve that that essentially means that they're going because the, all the RBA does is control short-term interest rates. They can't control yeah. what 10-year rates are going to be. That's what the bond market determines. So it'll be fair yeah. to say that our reserve bank's probably gotten ahead of the curve a lot of those times, hasn't it? Whereas now they're saying in the US that the the Federal Reserve is, is behind where the curve's at. So they've been increasing interest rates, but the market's saying, well, you've gone too fast interest rates in the future mm. are actually likely to go down. Mm. So, yeah, I mean, that, that's sort of my take on what's happened in Australia. Maybe it's just the the the, Federal, the Reserve Bank has almost beaten the market to it. Is that is that fair to say? Uh, possibly. I mean, it's, it's yeah, it's, uh, it's hard to know, to be to be honest. But, um, I mean, the invert, uh, I mean, as I was just saying then, the, the, the last few times, this inversion happened in Australia, which has been a lot more than in, in the US. The, the, the RBA's cut not, not long after that. Yeah, so yeah, okay. whether, whether that's a measure they, they look at, I'm not, not too sure, to be honest, yeah. but we're not, we're not economists here, but um, just like to have the, these discussions, yeah. It's, I suppose it's also other things that could stimulate the economy outside of um, you know monetary policy, which is cutting of interest rates. 
it'd be interesting to see how that's like when the yield curve has inverted has there been any um government stimulus like at the moment for example the government's on a bit of a leading into an election in australia it's on a bit of a spending spree so there's been tax cuts whether that in itself will stimulate the economy and maybe defer a recession mm. without the need for a rate cut so there's all there's all other things as well that can impact mm. the state of the economy without cutting interest rates uh, and once again i mean we're, we're no economists we're no I mean, we're not going to propose to be experts on the, these topics but m- my understanding of it this the difference between the the three month interest rates and the ten year rates is probably around the ten year rate that um, that is much more impacted by investor um, you know, investor sentiment yeah, and inflation yeah, yeah so yeah. that the, what your view on the the you know because people are prepared to lock in I think the the U S um, like ten year rate is what one point eight or something I'm not even yeah. sure exactly but under two percent so people are prepared to I'll give you my money for 10 years for under 2%. So I think it's more that driving the inversion than the than than the shorter term rates. I, I don't yeah. know if, if I'm right in saying that, but yeah, yeah. that's just my feel that people are a bit worried about what's going to what's going to play out. So they'll mm. they'll lock in 10-year money um, or 10-year interest rates at a very low level. Well earlier earlier in the year the the 10-year bond rate fell to 2.4%. And the, but the two-year one was just above 2.3%. So there's not a lot of difference between oh, the two-year okay. I think and I was looking at the Australian figures, yeah, actually. Sorry. This, this yeah. is the US, that, that's the yeah. two-year and 10-year. So, I mean, what the market's saying there mm. is that rates really aren't going anywhere. Or well, the market's not expecting rates nah, to not at all. increase substantially over a long period of time. And I suppose th- this is why the, the Fed in the US was, I suppose, keen to raise rates because they'd got to a point where they were so low that if, if their economy eventually fell into recession... They were almost, they couldn't do anything because once your rates are at zero, you can't cut them any further. You're sort of moving into negative interest rate territory then. Well, that's the whole, yeah, quantitative easing. Yeah, the whole quantitative easing situation. Yeah. And I think, you know, interest rates, as I'm sure we've spoken about, we may have spoken about in previous discussions, the reason why federal banks cut rates is to stimulate the economy. But the more and more you cut rates, the less impact that has. So if you go from, you know, 7% interest rates to five, people think, well, you know, money's pretty cheap now. Um, instead of waiting two years to buy that or spend that money, I'll bring it forward. So by bringing forward expenditure, that stimulates the economy. But the more and more you cut rates, there's only so much ex- future expenditure that you can bring forward. So the impact of that becomes less and less. So that, that's the issue with where a lot of developed economies are at the moment. The interest rates are so low that, if we move into a recession, a lot of these um, reserve banks are almost helpless. They can't really do much about it whatsoever. So that's why there's been, I suppose, um, somewhat of a strategy to progressively raise rates, albeit fairly um, fairly slowly in the US. What, what's your question for you with um, in the Australian context um, with the, the property market doing what it's done in you know, mainly Melbourne and Sydney over the past year or so where we've seen you know, prices correct, whatever the figure is, call it 10% across the board maybe. Do you think that's changed the, uh, the RBA's thinking on, on rates at all? Well, uh, would it be fair to say that, they'll look, that, that we're sort of looking at a rate rise? Was, it, was the market sort of thinking rates might increase, the next step might be an increase? Pre- like a year ago? Yeah. 
because of property. Well, just in general, like with where the economy was at, with where interest rates were at, the property market. I think in, in general, when the, when the property market hadn't started falling, but I think now that the property market has shown vulnerability and, and we've seen some yeah. falls. I don't think you can see the interest rates falling, any, I mean, sorry, increasing anytime soon. I think it's easy for them to cut now because... It's probably done, the property market's probably done the RBA a favour. Yeah, exactly right. Whether it's a favour or not, it's probably... Yeah, meant they haven't had to increase rates. They they might have wanted to increase rates. If property, if the property market had kept on a on a, on a tear and yeah. over the last year it kept going up, you know, if if, if the the RBA would be really worried about um, you know cutting rates because they're going to spur that on even more. Yeah. But now that it's eased, I, th- I think they're that they'd they'd be feeling a lot more comfortable to cut rates. That's and I think also lending growth or or the increase in debt has slowed as well and it hasn't been usually increasing interest rates will slow the level of debt that people take on but i think the regulators probably done the rba um a favor there as well because the banks have tightening lending criteria so a lot of the things that would have slowed the economy whether that be a slowdown in lending or a slowdown in expenditure has happened outside of uh, monetary policy Mm. um so as as you were saying slowdown in property prices tighter lending conditions it's it's been harder to to um to get debt so people haven't borrowed even with rates still at lows but it's going to be look it'll be interesting to see how it plays out post-election um whether some of the stimulus that the government's provided whether that can propel the economy a little bit um but you can't i mean you you can't really see rates increasing in australia anytime soon yeah hopefully you meant you touch on the election then and hopefully with some um you know some proposed tax cuts from um, from the current government, whether they'll be the the future government, um, and you know infrastructure, a commitment to infrastructure spending. Like hopefully that does spur on the economy a little bit because yeah. I think I think we need it. Like honestly, I think we we need that bit of a boost, don't we? And as I said, we can't well, growth. I mean, if the IMF is is right, then then our, our growth for for this for the next you know twelve month period is probably at the lower end of of the um, sort of target rate. Um, so low two percent is pretty moderate sort of growth. So it'll be interesting to see how it all plays out. But yeah, I, I couldn't expect. I think the overall sort of um, belief, I assume between the two of us and what markets are thinking, is that rates in Australia probably are very unlikely to increase. And as we we're saying, the market's pricing in two rate reductions. So that's what the markets, that's what the bond market's saying mm. that our rates could fall another, you know, point or fifty basis points in the foreseeable future and it's yeah it's it's and it i mean you can make predictions but ultimately the decisions will be made based on the statistics at the time so yeah i mean as i mentioned earlier the R, the rba come out and said well if growth improves we w- might not cut rates but i mean if i was making a prediction where i sit here and now i probably would agree with the bond market and and it usually uh, is proven to be right isn't it <laughs> yeah the, the only thing is i think i mean i'm, I'm no ec- i'm no economist and the RBA is a lot smarter than, than, than what probably well, I am, definitely what I am. But you, you wonder whether the RBA would, is in some ways reluctant to cut rates anymore. Well, unless going too early. When you say anymore, yeah. but they haven't cut for well, a long I mean, time. I mean, yeah, it has oh, been any lower, than, any it lower than where they are now. Yeah. Because it, as I was saying earlier, it just removes their, their options. I mean, it, it depends on the depths of a recession as well. I mean, if it's a slowdown... I don't know. My gut feel is the RBA won't want to cut rates. It's a bit of a catch twenty two, isn't it, for them? Yeah, because because you, they want to be ahead. They want to stimulate the the economy. But you don't want to. You don't if want they to, need to. 
Yeah, but you also don't want to um, use all your um, cards either because... You want to go too early. Yeah, because yeah. the rates are already so low. So what happens if you move into... Not that we're suggesting this will happen, but if the global economy moves into a fairly severe recession, what levers can you pull if rates are already you know, at 1%? It's very, very difficult. So you just wonder whether they'll be more inclined to sit tight and almost let the economy slow a little bit and then just see how things play out. Depend, I mean, obviously, as you said, the, these these guys are probably a lot smarter than us, but whether they, you know, based on their analysis that they want to be, you know, ahead of the curve and, and, and there's there's risks around property and things like that and they're like, yeah, look, the, the it might be, there might be a future, there might be future global issues in a year or two, but we're going to act on this now and cut now. Yeah. Um, and I, I know a lot of people are, uh, think a uh, um, an April cut is likely. Okay. Uh, I've, I've I've read that from a few sources, and I know there's you know a lot of um, houses coming out saying that they they should they should be at one, one yeah. percent. So yeah. that's two 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 cuts probably. Or I don't know what they're thinking. Is it? I mean, that, on the inner circle, they could be they could be happy with where the property market's at as well. Like yeah, maybe they're happy that the market's cooled and it's and it's correcting mm. on its own without having to raise interest rates. But I think wages growth would have to be yeah, well, wages a big consideration for a lot of countries at the and moment. Infla- and, infl- and inflation, which are yeah. similar. Yeah. So, yeah, I, w- I would have thought that they're probably things that they're keeping a close eye on. And um, So, before we wrap up, I mean, is there any... Glenn, I'll, I'll ask the question to you. Is, is there any take-home advice for our clients here? I mean, a lot of, a lot of well, listeners, I should say, a lot of listeners may have, may have interest rates um that's probably why people follow interest rates so closely yeah look and this is just i'm not providing specific advice here this is just my view when i'm thinking about my own situation um i generally like to like if i'm thinking about debt like home loans i generally like to have variable rate because i just think that over a long period of time it's shown that most people have been better off on a variable rate people can get attracted to fixed rate loans like two three years but as we as we've been talking about the banks aren't stupid they're looking at what the market is pricing in the only reason they're cutting their you know longer term fixed rates is because that's where they think the market's going to go anyway um if if you need certainty as we've spoken about before maybe a bit of a hybrid model where you've got some variable some some fixed fixed component of your of your debt so you get the best of both worlds but i think with this situation it is very bespoke like it, it really depends on what your situation is um, because some people need certainty, so maybe the fixed interest rates uh, are, um, are the way to go. Um, whereas, as I was saying, longer term, I mean, it w- I remember leading up to the GFC where interest rates were, you know, almost getting to double digit mm. rates, and people were locking in at like seven, eight percent because they mm. thought, oh, rates are going to go up to ten, and we all saw what happened. Mm. Um, so you just can't, you can't beat the market. Yeah, it's a bit different when obviously they're they're low than high, but yeah, you're right. I mean, who knows? They could keep falling and they could get cheaper. So um, it's always a good thing, you know. Seek advice from from your advisor or you know you um, and even have discussions with your your lender or your mortgage broker about the best option for you around um, rates and whether you lock in and whatnot. So um, we'll we'll wrap up the discussion there, Glenn. So just a quick summary. Um, you know, we started with a, a bit of a chat about the uh, Australian economy and a few bits and pieces that are going on there and a couple of the key measures um, that, that that you should look out for um, and then focused on uh, Australian interest rates and you know where we currently sit at quite low rates um, and and also the you know the the yield curve inversion which um, is often a, a predictor of recession so once again thanks for listening hope you enjoyed it um, we'll see you next time 
Thanks everybody for listening again to another episode of the Money Mentors podcast. Um, if you enjoy the, the content, please do subscribe to the podcast um, via um, any good po- podcasting app. Um, once again, please check out our major sponsors website, Hewison Private Wealth. Um, so just, just search for Hewison Private Wealth online. Also check out Hewison Private Wealth's um, social media channels, Facebook, LinkedIn or Twitter. Um, thanks again. We'll see you next week.